0: This 891 WBCX interview with retired journalism professor Clara Martin discusses how the Mass Communications Department came into being at Brunel University 40 years ago in 1976 and also the creation of Brunel's 891 WBCX the same year. Professor Martin created the university's first journalism classes, which became the major she would develop and direct for more than two decades. Professor Martin will be celebrated Saturday, April 16th during Alumni Reunion Weekend from 2.30 to 430 in the Jacobs building lobby located on Brunel University's historic Gainesville campus now the WBCX interview with Professor Clara Martin welcome back to Brunel and WBCX and boy this is a real treat for me professor Clara Martin taught me so much about radio and about media and first of all I'd like to ask you when you got to Brunel and how things really got started
1: well I was hired in 1971 Basically, I was in the public relations office as a special projects director, sort of an events planner, I guess you would call it. And the talk was that Brennau, as a traditional liberal arts college, needed some sort of career orientation for its women. I thought, well, what would be more natural? Since women are usually good writers, and use the English language well, and they would probably be good communicators. So I made the proposal, and it was accepted. But, of course, we had to find some students first. So I had to teach some freshman English (laughs) and sell the idea of journalism. So that's how we started.
0: And at that time, James Rogers was the president of Brown University. Yes. You say you taught some English courses. Who were some of your first students?
1: Well, Beth Cook, whose married name I do not know, was probably the very first. Margie Richardson. Oh, gosh, there's so many.
0: You know, a couple of decades is a ton of people. And one of those people from the class of 80, Gigi Babinick, wanted me to especially say hello to you. Thank you. And she was excited that I was going to be interviewing you. You have always meant a lot. I couldn't go home if I didn't say something. Oh. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, well, Gigi was a natural. She was a natural communicator and meant to be in this field.
0: You kind of got me started editing. Yeah. There <laughs> uh, were no kinder to it. You did.
1: I liked that, too. But in a small college like Brunel, if we couldn't have all the gorgeous equipment and the latest gizmos to intrigue people with, We could at least have students who were good with the English language, who knew how to write correctly and write well, and they did. We graduated a lot of good writers. The feedback we got from people who hired them was that they were very well prepared to be editors. We have put in more equipment, but back then, as you remember, I think the first microphone we had was an old cast-off from... WQXI I have Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. It was
0: something, floor <laughs> mic thing, and, uh, but we, we're proud to have, have it, it yeah. you know. As far as the station, WBCX, how that came into being and an idea uh, when you started the MassCon department, of course, you think about, okay, mm-hmm. well, that's radio okay. and TV. And how'd that conversation go? How'd you get that moving?
1: I wasn't alone in the interest in it. Jim Bridwell, who was a professor of English and English literature, was also sort of a tinkerer in mechanical things. We were talking about it, and he said, well, let me see if I can get some equipment. He went to radio stations in Atlanta and said, do you have any old—do trans? you have any control boards, do you have anything— Anyway, he came in with a pickup truck full of that, and we applied for an educational frequency, which the FCC gave at that time, which limited the station to 100 watts or less. While we were waiting for that license, we were a carrier current. We broadcast through the electrical system of the college, and so the students in the dorms could hear us. Nobody off campus could But we did finally get a license from the FCC to operate at 100 watts. The first tower, do you recall the first tower we had?
0: I can tell you that I climbed out the window of Pierce at the very top (laughs) and put a little wire coax up there, and that was the first antenna. Mm -hmm. Boy. I was replacing a very small wire like a coat hanger.
1: But we did get a building, which was one of the old homes on the back of the campus that we converted to classrooms and a small studio. When we got the license to go 100 watts, then we put a 100-foot pole up the side of the just a pole up the side. (laughs) (laughs) the side of the building
0: a lightning rod
1: (laughs) and uh but it worked and you could hear us not quite to flowery branch but almost
0: yeah (laughs) it made a difference it really did
1: That was our first go at it, and then the FCC allowed non-profit, non-commercial radio stations to uh, uh, move a little bit more with a little bit more power, and we were able to put up an FM tower. We used the space on WDUN's FM tower. So we were able to go 3,000 watts.
0: Let's talk about the TV side of it, too. You're talking about equipment. I remember Jim Bridwell was a genius in a way.
1: He was, because he uh, understood more of the technical end of things um, than anybody else around.
0: And about him, uh, listen to this. Morning Coffee, Midday Mayhem, X89 Presents, Rocking at the X, the Music of Awareness and XFX 89. Those are the shows that were on that he had on <laughs> when I arrived. And, you know, he was, uh, he'd try yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, as far as programming. But the programming was, uh, I always wondered how this faculty got together or how you got people together, got ideas together, just for some of this in the beginning.
1: Well, it took a lot of talk, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Persuasion. (laughs) Yeah. The most persuasive thing, of course, was we did get a lot of students. At one time, we had student radio announcers, 28 of them who kept the radio station going We didn't have a lot of automation then, so it took manpower. We didn't have any. And at one time, we had somewhere between 75 and 100 students who were in the program. Not all were majors, but we had a lot of students who took some of the programs because they were interested, particularly the writing courses. And I think that, more than anything, convinced the college to get some money in Beth Knott who is in the development office wrote some grants that helped us buy television equipment john jacobs probably did more than anything to help us in that he acquired this building right and then helped build these very nice studios that you have here now so we're indebted to the late john jacobs and all that he did to encourage Without that, we would have had a much harder struggle. Now um, you
0: worked with Mr. Jacobs before, yeah. In radio, I mean, yes, in radio, you yes. had a radio station together for a while, Why right? Not?
1: Right. And I had worked in two or three, or four radio stations when I was a student at the University of Georgia. Of course, I worked at WGAU my junior and senior year for all of fifty cents an hour.
0: I got news. Nothing's changed. <laughs>
1: That was the minimum wage back then. Oh, man. But mostly I wrote copy. They had a morning program that was five hours of Sunday morning music and umpteen commercials. But every piece of copy had to be different. And the sponsor was a dairy. And so I learned a hundred different ways to talk about milk. (laughs) It was a great challenge, and it improved the vocabulary.
0: I remember vividly. How much you stressed writing. Oh, yes. Even if we were taking a Mass Comm 1 or 2, the way we wrote a paper for you. Yes. You you wanted us to write and think about how we were writing. Right. And first time I heard that term, and I thought, AP Style, what does that do?
1: Well, it's still around, and it's always a good thing to have AP style book And if you wonder how to address the pope or (laughs) (laughs) or a bishop, you can look in AP Style.
0: We're talking with retired professor Clara Martin. I'm having a hard time saying that because all your students loved you, and we all called you just Clara. You're the only person of my elders that I have ever called by their first name.
1: Some did. Some did not. Those who were good students could get away with it. Well,
0: there you go. Okay. Stressing writing and how that would always serve you. That would be a job you could do forever.
1: In the writing classes, I would not give a grade to a paper with an error in it. And if you had a paper without an error, I graded you on the quality of your writing. Just couldn't get a grade if you had an error.
0: That's... uh. <laughs> Hope you listened very carefully there. That really happened. When I wrote these questions up, I was thinking this morning, I'm writing out just a little punch list. And I really did think, you know, I'm not putting this in style. That's right. And I'll bet Clara's going to say something.
1: Well, as I remember, your voice was going to get you wherever you wanted to go. Well,
0: I don't think you realize how many lives you've touched. You've had a lot of students, but you've had so many success stories. This is the truth. I remember Liz Sears... Liz Menendez, she was one, worked at CNN.
1: We were very active as a program when CNN came on the air. I took all of our majors down when they were building the facilities for CNN, went down to Atlanta and the news director for CNN. Mm -hmm. And he showed us how he was building his control rooms, the production studios, And it was a wonderful experience for the girls. But the best thing was that as we were leaving, he said, now, we are going to hire college students. We're going to have what we call video journalists, and we will hire college students. And if they can handle the stress and meet the grade, then they will stay with us. Well, gosh, I guess we had.
0: How many?
1: At least a half a dozen stayed with them. Uh, Marie Brahemjee is another one who stayed with CNN. They had marvelous opportunities as a result, and the fact that we were so close to Atlanta really made a difference.
0: I recall going down to Atlanta with all your students, we all went, and we got down to a luncheon where Ted Turner spoke. Also, Charles Smithgall spoke. They were talking about CNN and what they were about to build. And, of course, I got out of Brunel that year, and the next year is what you're talking about. They, they built CNN. What a great thing for Brunel.
1: And. It- fact that we were there gave us a leg up on our students getting the jobs. It worked out very well. A lot of the work in building a program, I felt, was that we help them get into the field when they graduated i spent probably as much time trying to develop networks that we could use to find jobs for our graduates as i did in teaching sure. because i thought well it's like any marketing job you, <laughs> the results are, are what count yeah um, we wanted our students to get jobs and do well in the business and we did we had an advisory board we had people on that advisory board to tell us about the opportunities and communications. And we had them in corporate communication, every conceivable variety, financial sure. communication, as well as the industry. And it was a wonderful time to be in that field for young women. The whole field was really opening up, and women could do anything in broadcasting or newspaper writing or public relations. And so many young women, particularly the young women who were coming to Brunel, were naturals in public relations. They knew how to plan an event, and they went for it. I remember one instance, I could not forget this, but I was at home, and I had a phone call from one of the managers of the armor packing company. And he said that they were looking for someone to be their public relations representative. And he said, we've interviewed hundreds, and we've narrowed it down to five young women. And he said, three of the five are from Brunel. Wow. And he said, I want to know what you do there for that. And I said, well, I think it has more to do with young women who come to Brunel. (laughs) <laughs> that they are just naturals. But I thought that was a great compliment. To sure. Now.
0: Sure. Yeah. I remember it was truly amazing. You think it's luck, but it's not. You have people who are truly talented. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to go a certain way, they've gone about as far as they want to go. Yeah. Isn't that amazing to you? How yeah. many students at in my little era, and that doesn't even count the different years you were there.
1: All of the young women have done so well, and when I run into some of them and discover what they're doing now, I think, my goodness, it was all, all that potential was there. When they were here at yeah. now isn't Kalina Hayes still at Channel Eleven? Yes,
0: Carey yes. Dean. Carrie Dean, right. Channel Five. Mm-hmm. She runs the Good Day Atlanta. Uh,
1: she was a natural too. She was going to make it if anybody made yeah. it. Yeah,
0: it's just remarkable. So that's the radio station and the TV side. Now you've worked at Brunel a couple of times. Yes, right. You've worked at Piedmont. Yes. When you got to Piedmont, did you make a department or what were you doing there?
1: I left Brunel and. 1985 with the idea of supporting myself while I went after a radio station assigned to Clarksville, which I managed to do. But after I sold the radio station, I went to work for Piedmont College. I was going to retire then, but someone called me and that was was (laughs) it. But they had tried to put in an adult education program at Piedmont, and I thought it was a wonderful idea. They called it the PAL program it was a program for adult learners and the concept was that they would take the classes at night with the same professors that the day students would have under the same restrictions uh, requirements and so forth it's just that it would be an accelerated program and mm-hmm. this was before accelerated right. programs were commonplace and they took two courses per eight weeks and they could graduate and about the same length of time as a Regular yeah. student. Well, it was immensely popular, and a lot of the businesses in the area would support and help their students pay for the tuition, and I enjoyed that. I was the director of the PAL program okay. there, and then I decided to come back to Brunel. Jim Sutherland called me one day, and he said, wouldn't you like to come back to Brunel? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I think I would.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when I got here, I think there were six males going to school here. They had just, during the day, Yeah. they just started the evening and weekend program, yeah. probably a couple of years mm-hmm. before I got here. I mean, it was going well. They had every every law enforcement. And the evening program.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> I taught some classes at night simply because the request was there. One of them was Jim Hammond. who has, sure. And Jim was a broadcast major, yeah. and he took night courses. <laughs> and he did well.
0: Drama. <laughs> yes. Absolutely.
1: Somebody told me he's about to retire, and he was one of my students. I can't believe. He... <laughs> it's a little upsetting <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> I know it.
0: He's just still a very talented guy and a good radio person also on stage, you know.
1: Yeah. That communication works in theater just as well. Well, we've had some really interesting times, and I guess being able to have a closed-circuit television was the last oh, yeah. thing th- that we did when I was right. still here. What else would you like to know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it one of your daughters went to Bernal, or All
1: three of them.
0: I said that. I won the bet. I thought they did. All three, All three went to Bernal. but
1: Only two graduated. Yeah. Uh, Beth transferred to the university. Okay. Uh, because she wanted to major in something.
0: Sure. Okay. I thought I thought they did. The only
1: class that they had to take from me was news writing and reporting. I could avoid having them in a class in all the other courses, and they uh, really gave me a hard time. They said they thought I was harder on them than others because they were my daughter. But actually, um, I was hard on everybody. Yeah,
0: you were. <laughs> Listen, that was a hard class.
1: Yes. Well, you had to. Write. You had
0: to do it. The, this the right way. Or grading system came in. Well, this is not up to my standard to yeah. look at. Goodbye. <laughs> was...
1: Well, I learned that the hard way. The first essay that I wrote at the University of Georgia, I got an F on because there was a comma splice, and that was the only error. The professor said, "Very good," but <laughs> but an F and a comma splice oh. now is so common.
0: That's uh. <laughs> boy, that's. <laughs> That's too tough right well, there. Well,
1: that taught me a lesson to not turn in a paper if there was an error.
0: I'll make sure I try to say this right and don't have any kind of splice. The Clara Martin Endowed Journalism Scholarship. Now, how'd that come about?
1: Let's see. I retired in 2000. Before I left, I took one of my salary checks. and <laughs> This guy said, I can't leave for now and not leave something behind. And it has done so much for me and it has meant so much to me. So, with my limited resources, I went down and said I'd like to start a scholarship. Well, they didn't object. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right. (laughs) And my daughters and I have contributed to it when we could. But it would be very nice if other graduates, to whom Brunel meant a lot, if they would contribute to that scholarship because they are already giving scholarships from it. And it would be nice if that could really become the journalism scholarship and help any of the students coming in. Who need the the
0: help. Again, that's the Clara Martin Endowed Journalism Scholarship. Well, I wish I'd gotten it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I wanted to ask in the very beginning how the station got into Pierce. How was it decided to put it way up, I mean on top, out of
1: well, I think that I'll have to give the credit for that to Jim Breadwell. He also was interested in drama, so he spent a lot of time in Pierce Auditorium and in the environs. And one day he said, I think I've found a place for the studio. And up the stairs, we went to way up in the dome up in there. And <laughs> and there had been a control room of sorts yeah, for yeah. productions. And I didn't see the potential, but he did. So we started working on it, and we got it.
0: And eventually, the radio station moved over across campus to near the gym before being here at the Jacobs Building.
1: It had been a faculty back when Bernal offered faculty housing It had been one of those houses, and we made it into workroom, classroom, studio, and we even had a library.
0: One of the really neat things I remember about being in the Mass Comm program were the people that you invited to come speak to us, people like Joe Shai and Monica Kaufman, who's now Monica Pearson.
1: We used to have what we called MassCom Week, and we um, would make a big display of the various areas of MassCom and invite mostly Atlanta people, but we had anchors from all three of the networks. Yeah, Celestine Sibley came once, and. Uh, We had Elmo Ellis from WSB. He was always a good one to come, and Paul Raymond. They were all so very interested in this small college that was so active and doing so many things because our students were. They were very active in things, and they got around. I can remember Monica saying on the air one evening, we had an intern who was being a floor manager, and Monica said, oh, yes, she said, that's one of those young Bernal women who do so well. And so the camera swung over to Jody West. That's who, and I see you, I have to, after a while, I'll remember That's good. Like, but they were all special. I
0: yeah. think Tom Brokaw came up here once.
1: Yes, he did. That MassCom Week was a lot of work, but it certainly did expose us to an awful lot of the media people in the area. And it meant opportunities for our students.
0: one WBCX talking with retired professor Clara Martin. You taught students in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Let's talk about them.
1: Well, there was a difference in, um, in the students because, of course, in the 70s, they still remembered non-technology. By the 90s, I made the mistake one day of saying something about not having television when I was growing up. And it so shocked the class that I thought they wouldn't get over that anybody was alive who had lived when there was not television.
0: Well, journalism has certainly changed in the last 40 years. Mm -hmm. Now everything's instant. And, you know, it used to be you'd have a news cycle if you let something Mm -hmm. go on Friday. Well, you kind of had a weekend to have a couple of meetings and figure out what you're going to do. Now, the Internet's taking care of that.
1: Back when I was in graduate school a millennium ago, we worried about what would happen when we are really overwhelmed with information. We thought we had too much information coming at us back then. This was the 60s. But now, I don't know how, particularly young people, how they absorb and assimilate and do something. With all the torrent of information they get, I just have to be very selective. But they're in the process, young people are, of trying to decide what they want to select and not. I think it's just overwhelming. One thing I think I see that they're beginning to do, and that is to understand that some of the news isn't really sensationalized. What happens is it's magnified. It's repeated and repeated and repeated. And that gives it a feeling of sensationalism. And I think people are beginning to sort that out, that, okay, here's the original story, and just don't listen to it again and think it's that much more important. It's still what it was, basically. But I wish the general public could begin to do that.
0: The presentation has gone from here's the news story.
1: And then what you ought to think. (laughs) And
0: then it goes that far. So it gets kind of crazy.
1: It is overwhelming at times when there is breaking news. (laughs) You try to get it to truth. But what you first hear when the news breaks can be almost totally wrong. So you have to kind of wait and wait and wait until the full story comes. But a lot of people never wait for that. They just take the very first bits of information and go with it.
0: I want to say that I am so happy that you were my teacher. What we just talked about with the Internet being so quick and uh, journalistic methods sort of being skipped over every now and then. Well, you wouldn't have put up with that. You're not putting up with it now. (laughs) Boy, 40 years ago, Professor Clara Martin founded the MassCon Department at Brunel University. And Bernal is honoring you here in the Jacobs Building Alumni Reunion Weekend that Saturday. More details are coming up about that. We'll be on the air live with WBCX and hope you'll come be on the air with us live. And I'm inviting as many of your former students as I can find to be here. It'll be a great day.
1: That's great. I would love to see the students and we'll just have a real good reunion.
0: All right. Thank you, Clara.
1: Thank you.